Ciao ragazzi and welcome to another edition of Serie A Sit Down, World Football Index's podcast for your calcio to go. I'm Frank Crivello and flying solo, it's all mine again. Uh, Richard, uh, last minute under the weather, got hit like a ton of bricks with pink eye, so... Uh, I'm running this show myself. There might be a guest popping up here. We are efforting at the moment. So if we get that person on, we will definitely uh, uh, bring him in, introduce him and uh, go from there. So um, it's been a very interesting week. The transfer deadline ended uh, or the transfer window is now officially shut. Uh, ciao, George. Ciao, Apex Crafter. Ciao, Anthony. Good to have you guys all in the chat. Um, hello, Han Solo. All right. <laughs> uh, I'm not much of a Star Wars guy. I, 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 you know, full disclosure there. I hate to confess that, but it is what it is. Uh, but um, plenty to discuss. We had the Darby Della suit on Sunday, which was the highlight of uh, match week 20. We'll break that down and digest it for you. Um, we will uh, discuss the continued downward spiral of Milan and Juventus. We'll talk about the rest uh, of match week 20. Daniel Peters saying that Richard caught pink eye watching Milan. I, you know, man, it was 530 in the morning where I live and I got up to watch that mess. So um, I also had to get out and plow my driveway because we had about seven or eight inches of snow. So um but uh, be that as it may, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the rest of match week 20. We'll talk about, uh, we'll briefly talk about Inter's uh, 1-0 Coppa Italia win uh, over Atalanta. I have some thoughts on that. Uh, we will wind up the uh, transfer mercato that was, I wouldn't say non-existent for Serie A, but the big clubs really... Uh, the majority didn't bring anybody in of significance. You know, I think when you look at how the Premier League teams spent uh, in this window, uh, you know, you can look at Serie A and say nothing happened by comparison. And we can discuss if it's worrying um, and if it might be the product of a bigger problem economically for the Serie A clubs to be able to spend and reinforce in January or uh, most of those clubs might have said, "Hey, we we have what we need. We don't need to make any other signings." I'm sure if it's, uh, I'm sure if it's uh, Maldini, that's exactly what he's saying when it's coming to Milan. Uh, but uh, but be that as it may, um, uh, we'll we'll talk about that. So uh, so we will uh, we'll, we'll delay the Who Won Calcio Twitter uh, yet for another week. So um, but uh, chat. Interact with me here. Uh, go ahead, throw some questions, some ideas, talk about some things. Give me some uh, questions that you guys have about the the city I slate. Um, and Anthony saying he was never expecting Milan to spend in January because of city I's failures. Well, there is certainly some uh, uh, validation to that. No, no question about it. Um, let's see here. Um, I'm just looking, taking a quick look. Um, all right. 
Let's start with Napoli and Roma. Uh, the Derby della Sud taking place on Sunday at the Stadio Diego Armando Maradona. Um, it was merit and goal, pretty standard fare for Napoli. They played their standard 4-3-3. Di Lorenzo, Rachmani, Kim, Rui, uh, Anguisa, Lobotka, Zielinski in midfield, uh, Ossiman flanked by Lozano and Kvaratskhelia. Uh, going the other way for Roma, it was Patricio in goal, back three of Mancini, Smalling, Ibanez. Uh, Zalewski moved over to the right in the wingback position as they started Spinazzola. Uh, Brian Cristante and Nemanja Matic were in midfield. Uh, Paulo Dybala and Lorenzo Pellegrini uh, playing behind Tammy Abraham. So uh, you know, Roma setting up in a maybe in a bit of a, a counterattacking posture. You certainly expected to have Napoli or expected Napoli to have the ball and, and Roma hoping to hit on the break kind of the tactics that you generally see with uh, Jose Mourinho, uh, but uh, Napoli wanting to obviously monopolize possession, uh, be comfortable with the ball, things like that, put the other team under pressure. So um, I think the red flag kind of got exposed, despite the fact that he actually played a pretty good game. Uh, but moving Zalewski over to the right-hand side uh, – was not a recipe for success, at least early on. Uh, Kvaric Kelly was uh, certainly the danger man in the early stages of the game. And in the 17th minute, he found Victor Alseman, uh for the goal of the week. Uh, just the composure to be able to go chest, thigh, volley. You never see that anymore at this level. Um, it's quite astonishing, uh, you know, to see a finish like that at that level, um, you know, arguably in the conversation for goal of the season as well. It does beg the question, though, if you're a Roma supporter, how is a Roma player not getting directly in front of Osimhen in that situation and, and deflecting his out? Certainly there was plenty of time. You'd have to go back and take a look at the tape and, you know, and see what happened there. But it was um, – you, you, that's that's maybe the one question if I really want to split hairs. But it was a fantastic cross by Kvaratskhelia and Alcimen with the finish. And those two guys have just been fantastic uh, in in Napoli's attack. They've definitely not needed any endorsement from us, um, you know, nor have we been really surprised uh, about uh, how they performed up to this point. Uh, hello, Mr. Bob Lex. Good to have you with us. Um, yeah, definitely a world-class finish by all seamen, certainly in the conversation for the goal of the season, probably is the goal of the season up, at the, up to this point. We were looking for quite a long time. I think the last one we talked about was very early in the season was the finish from Berardi from distance. Uh, and I can't remember the opponent and I believe it was a half volley, but, um, now we're coming to the all seamen goal, uh, you know, really being the one that. Uh, we we look at Roma created some pretty dangerous chances going the other way and in, in counterattacking situations. Uh, there was also a near blunder by Minjai Kim, I believe, in the first half. Um, but Roma was looking effective on the counter, um, uh, but still one nil down at halftime because Napoli was was looking effective going the other way as well. Um, and uh, this prompts a change from Mourinho. The okay, the Spinazzola, Spinazzola thing didn't particularly work out. Um, they continued to keep Zalewski on the right hand side, which was interesting to me, and it became more a more effective uh, solution as things went on. Uh, El Shadawi comes in. Uh, I believe that was right. Yeah, right on the right after halftime for Spinazzola, and it was actually Zalewski and El Shadawi that would hook up on the goal. 
making it 1-1. El Shadawi with a very nice record uh, scoring against Napoli over the years. Uh, and he comes through again. And then finally in the 86th minute, um, it was uh, uh, Giovanni Simeone pounding in the winner, uh, giving Napoli the 2-1 win. Um assisted by Piotr Zielinski. And I just, I, I, I just, I think, and I'm going to do this again, great pass by Zielinski. And I thought an overall excellent performance from him uh, running things through the midfield and finding the spaces, getting the ball, kind of directing things and being dangerous. And while Gvaric, Kalia and Alcimen deserve all of the praise that they're getting, I'm going to continue to bang the drum for Piotr Zielinski too, uh, because uh, he's been, very effective in terms of pulling the strings. And when uh, Napoli have had all of their departures and Fabian Ruiz is gone, um, you know, it was a step-up opportunity for Zielinski, and he has certainly uh, played that role. Uh, we take a look at the statistics from this game. Um, you know, I've got some uh, statistics here through SofaScore. Richard's got a chart up, but it was – they were even on the shots. Napoli definitely had more on target, so Rui Patricio doing a good job. Uh, trying to keep Roma in this game and keep him in position, um, uh, but it was a little. It was more possession for Napoli. We had to expect that based on uh, the way they play and the way that Roma typically play in games like this. Uh, Apex Crafter saying, "For me, the game showed what makes Napoli special. Napoli spirit towards the end and their resilience just makes me feel like they won't let go of the Scudetto." I'm going to talk about that here in a minute. Um, Roma. Uh, very good performances from, you know, Cristante and Matic was were, were, were low key good. Zalewski obviously, you know, creating the creating the goal for El Shirawi. Um, but Zielinski just played a little bit better in terms of in terms of what he did in terms of his ability to create things. He almost went the distance. Uh, created some big chances in this game. Uh, got some shots off, uh, and then enough of a danger man to have Roma's attention. They fouled him a couple times too. Uh, Labotka also needs even more. I, this this one will go with as well. Um, you know, I think when I initially saw Labotka, I I thought and I felt um, uh, I felt that um, well. Let's put it this way. Uh, I thought he was just a stopper, um, but I'm with you, Apex. I'm very um, creative, uh, or very not creative, very, very impressed. Um, I was reading another comment. Excuse me, guys. Um, very impressed with his passing, with his range, as you're saying, um, his ability to help them keep the ball, to be able to dictate things and move things. Um, he... Uh, He's 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 been just as special, and Angisa with his ability to just run box to box. You know, he's the kind of player that, you know, you want to make comparisons. What Frank Kessie meant to Milan over the last couple of seasons, and what he did in his heyday at Atalanta before transferring over to Milan. Um, you know, you're seeing a little bit of that with him. Um, Kyle making the comment about Zielinski's run that he made for that goal, um, which gave Simeone that split second to score. I mean, these are the kind of things we're talking about, and we want to make sure. You know, we get to some of the unsung guys with Napoli. All right. And now let me come back to what Apex Apex's comment here about what makes Napoli sp special. Um, if you're going to win a Scudetto, you have to win games in a variety of ways. Um, you have to dominate as they did when they beat 
Juve 5-1. Um, uh, let's see. You have to find ways to win in other games. This is a find a way to win game with a team that was bringing, bringing some resistance to the table. Um, uh, and, uh, and, uh, giving Napoli some different things that could frustrate them. Okay. Um, you have, uh, a mix of certain things. Uh, you don't play well and you find a way to win. They've done that. Um, and right now with a 13 point lead at the top of Serie A, you know, it's, it's obviously, it's obvious to me, they've got one hand on the trophy. Um, so, uh, it's, it's just that way, uh, right now with them. And it's hard to find any of these other teams. And the other reason why I think that they've got one hand on the trophy at this point is because you look at the rest of the teams at this table, you look at Inter 40 points, Lazio 38, Atalanta 38, Milan 38, Roma 37. These guys are all going to cannibalize each other over the course of the rest of the season. And all Napoli need to do the rest of the way is just keep finding ways to win in games. And the Scudetto's theirs. I mean, I think, you know, a few weeks ago I said, okay, mathematically it's Spalletti and all this other stuff. But 13 points clear and with the other things, um, I just can't see it. So, uh, you know, as it pertains to Roma, a lot being made about Mourinho taking a picture of his squad after the game and a loss. Kind of the glorified participation trophy. Um, I guess anyway, Roma can get trophies just as a dig at them. But, you know, you want to see some competitiveness from Roma because we've seen Roma through the years in games like this that they they flake or, or they fall apart or the mentality isn't there. Uh, but I think you see them having more of a spine under Mourinho, as we've been saying here now over the last couple of years. Uh, quick question from Bob. Did Napoli manage to bring anyone in this transfer window? Just two players, Berezinski coming on loan from Sampdoria and uh, Golini coming in on loan uh, for cover at goalkeeper um, uh, for uh, from Atalanta. So, uh, so that's the quick breakdown of Napoli and Roma, but we do have a guest. Uh, we're going to, uh, bring him in now. All right. It's our man, Martino Puccio. Martino, thanks for, uh, you know what? I don't think any, I think people have, people would have, people would have turned this off <laughs> after about 15, 20 minutes of me just rambling. So I'm glad that you're, uh, you're coming in to save me here, man. How are you? Good. Um, and not at the same time, obviously. I think we both know why. Um, uh-huh. But but yeah, overall, can't complain. You know, um, just yep. trying to get past winter time. But yeah, you were right about Napoli at this point. I think I think one of the the main things as well that some people might be forgetting is that <clears throat> almost every top four competitive type team in that picture is going to mm-hmm. have to travel to Naples uh, yes. the second half of the season. That's an yes. incredible advantage that they have um, on top of the gap of, of that lead uh, at the top of the table. They're just, I mean, it's just, you know, say what you want about other teams not being competitive, ours included. This is just pure dominance. It's it, They yes. deserve every single bit of it. And just like you were mentioning as well, they're winning games that you might not necessarily play your best, but they still grind them out. And two of those were against, well, Two of the games were with Simeone scoring the winners, and that's what we saw this past weekend, and then what they did at San Siro against us. It's just different hero, different day, um, and still getting production from their top guys. And the way they did it with bringing all these players in over the summer, it's just that just doesn't happen because you see what happens to us um, yeah. with taking a long time to integrate these players. But Spalletti, like... 
this is the best managerial job in Europe. Um, yeah. I think probably the only other one that might rival it at this point. Well, well, there's two. There's Arteta, and I do think Deserbi uh, mm-hmm. also deserves a shot for that. But sure, I mean, yeah. So, and this is what I've been saying all along about Napoli. I mean, I, I thought with all of the departures and then with all of the arrivals, you know, I, I, I thought Fadich Kelly was going to be excellent from the start. You know, I thought maybe Kim might need some time, might have needed some time to adapt. Some of these other players getting integrated, and I thought Napoli was going to be the team that, for the first handful of games, it was going to take a little while. They were going to drop some points just out of needing to gel and things like that, and then they'd be the team that last ten games of the season they just blast through everybody, and they're the hot team for next year. And they've just gone way ahead of that schedule. I mean, yeah, that's what that's what I thought as well. I had them pegged top four. A lot of people mm-hmm. were off on them for those movements. So it's like they're still keeping a main a main amount of them, especially in the midfield. It's that that was a main uh, part that they were keeping. Victor was back. It was just about him staying healthy. Well, I know I think you last year picked him for Capo Carnegie. I did as well. And I was yeah. saying from even a couple of seasons ago when he first arrived that he just stays healthy under that system. It's this guy's a wrap at this point. Like, you, good luck trying to stop him. Um, right. and, it's, and it's been that. Um, that goal was just sublime. I think mm-hmm. the only thing at this point is how does the Premier League club not knock at the door and say 150 and he and he's at out. least at, at yeah. least yeah i think i think that's where it starts i think napoli would be inclined yeah th- th- thank you sorry richard was just complimenting this this was a gift given to me by the way <laughs> the Zelensky one it's been all over the internet been deemed as doppelganger it's gonna age poorly i just feel it um <laughs> but but at the same time it's just been incredible because mm-hmm. i think the pressure for replacing a guy like Insigne and even Kim Min Jae replacing a guy like Koulibaly. Koulibaly is the best defender in Napoli history, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Replacing him is is no small uh, uh, mountain to climb. And then Insigne, local hero, whether you loved him or loathed him, he, he had a poor season last year. I mean, this kid, Cavada Skelly is just, it's it's yeah. one of the best signings I've ever seen Um and for 10, 10 million, you see what these wingers are going for over at Chelsea and Napoli got him for 10 million. It's I, it, insane. Uh, we, we paid that much for Krunic. Yeah. Um, so, so, and Hey, I like him. I like him, but just there's he's not good, there's, no, he's not the most dynamic player to enter the league and take it by storm. I've just, it's just incredible. Um, I mean, hats off and Meret, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. Talk about a guy back and forth. This is this is why it shows to to teach patience for a lot of young players and some of the kids that we have. Look how long it took him just to hit this level. Sure. It was a massive purchase back then for a goalkeeper sure. within the league, and you know there was ups and downs. Ospina was getting in there, Ancelotti favored him, Gattuso, and, and look at him now. You arguably been top five keeper in the league, I would say this year. Yeah. Um, so hey, everything. Firing on all cylinders, and I mean, as it pertains to young players that 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 whether they come over here or they come up, they get their they get their professional call up or whatever the case may be. You know, we talk about the the instant success of Kvaratskhelia. We talked about the we talked about how if Kvaratskhelia wasn't around, we'd be talking a lot more about Adamola Lookman over at Atalanta, and it's you know, I mean, because what he's doing is pretty damn impressive. But for for everyone, every guy like that. There's 20 guys like CDK who, you know, they're not a failure yet, but they're taking longer to adapt. I mean, even Rafael Leao 
took some time before he hit the heights. I mean, young players coming in, people coming over from other leagues, the large, large majority of them, it's, it's an adaptation period and it takes a couple seasons to catch on it, you know, you know, in most cases. So, um, but we, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a lot of the youngsters that we've had. And Sarah struggled. The amount of yellow cards yep. that kid was getting when he first arrived. Cassie was struggling for multiple times before he turned into the player he was. Tonali. Yep. Tonali, objectively, just as bad of a season as CDK. And remember yep. now, if you want to go by overall valuations with Leao, Tonali, and CDK, they were all 35 million euros. Okay. Sure. Chago Jallo went back to Lille in that deal. Tonali's initial price was 35 million from Brescia. And he had a great first season in Serie A. And then he struggled with us. It, and mm-hmm. it had a lot to do with expectations. And, and yep. again, I, I personally just don't like the way Pioli is handling CDK. I don't think he's the guy you sub off in that match on Sunday. It just it didn't make no, sense thought- to me with Rebic on a yellow and not playing well. Well, let's transition to Milan here, uh, mm-hmm. sadly. Um, you know, I uh, I said last week, on this and, and and Richard put a clip on Twitter and I said it word for word. I said Sassuolo is going to be salivating um, at at what this Milan team, how this Milan team sets up with the wingers that they've got. You think Lazio did some damage? Wait till you wait till you throw Loriot and Berardi at these guys, um, and uh, just watch the sparks fly. And gosh, Berardi a goal and two assists in the space of thirty minutes. Um, I mean, did they just absolutely they just absolutely thrashed Milan? It nothing's going right for Milan. Um, there's there's plenty to unpack with them at this point, Martino. I mean, now you're and, and injuries are piling up on top of it. Benacer was suspended and now he got hurt subsequently thereafter. Tamori was not playing in this game. Um, you know, it's uh, you know when it rains it pours. Now at this point, um, let's start with the system and kind of kind of piggybacking Anthony's question. Why does Pioli continue to play a 4-2-3-1 when the personnel isn't the, the personnel isn't the same as last year when it's not and and when it's simply not working. Uh yeah, first of all, personnel is is the main thing, right? How many guys you see if you, if you know truly their whole entire background of the midfielders on the squad, how many of them are defensive midfielders? You say maybe one, and that's the guy mm-hmm. that keeps on turning down every single damn transfer every time it's offered, and that's Bakayoko. So any anytime we see that, Krunic was normally a 10, and then we've seen him as a left winger. Uh, Benacer mm-hmm. is clearly better as a Metsala than anything else. Tonali has proven anytime he moves closer to goal, he's a far better player. He is not mm-hmm. that type of defensive work rate player that we have. Yassine Adli is not that. Um, and then Aster Franks is also not that. And Tommaso Pobega, a guy who fouls more than any of these guys, is certainly mm-hmm. not a CDM. So I, I think it's a fair question to ask, why aren't we changing this? This is clearly not working. And for me, the defensive rotations don't make much sense. Uh, we're still keeping with these guys. I mean, uh, on the Fratesi goal was one of the most embarrassing goals I've seen allowed by a professional team in any yeah. Uh, Gabia's rotating to the ball is incredibly slow, allows him too much space to even get the shot off. And Tatarusano yeah. is the worst goalkeeper in the top five leagues right now by some distance. And it's, and it's startling. This is like 11 shots and 13, oh wait, sorry, 11 goals conceded on 13 shots. Th- there's not much else left to say about that. That's Sunday. That's that's that that's that's worse than Sunday league football, for God's sake. I mean, uh, did you see the video of him warming up prior to the match at all, or no? 
There was no, I didn't. Oh, don't. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll tell you what though. I when I watched, you know, they they had them coming out of the dressing room before halftime, and I mean, Tatrasano was like slowly walking out of the dressing room, and he just looked dejected, like almost as if you know, it's almost as if he didn't want to go back out there. And Pioli just kind of kind of walked past him and didn't even acknowledge his existence. And you finally get to a point where you're just like, okay, look, we can't do this anymore with this guy. Or the other thing, the or you're going to need to change the way you set your team up as long as you have him in goal. You can't go playing the same way with Mainyan in goal and be exposed and be loosed and and, and say, hey, Mainyan's back there. He's going to save us because this guy's not Mainyan. You got to maybe play with some more compactness. There's no cover for the fullbacks. None. Um, they're exposed. They're out on islands all by themselves. The the wingers in front of them don't track back. There's no midfielders coming over to slide over and give support. Um, and then, you know, and Bonetti and I were going back and forth on this. And I said, well, if you're getting shit play from a 10, stop playing with the 10. Okay. Mm-hmm. Adapt. You know, and I would love to take the 10 out of there because I think that that gives Tonali some room to advance into the midfield and be more of a playmaker where if you saw the Lazio game, the presence of Brahim kept Tonali pinned back and Lazio knew it and they pressed the hell out of him and kept him from doing anything. So take the 10 out of there and try playing 4-3-3 and do some kind of setup where, okay, you don't have defensive midfielders right now, but you have guys that can be told, hey, you back up the attack going forward. And when we don't have the ball and it's wide, you go over and you support the fullbacks and, and try to do a serviceable job of it. I, I, at a minimum, that that should be better than what's going on now. And you give Tonali a little bit more freedom to dictate things through the midfield. He, he has like 20 different jobs at this point in time. And it's just, it's not easier on him. I think mm-hmm. Calabria at this point, like you're saying, if he's on an island, he is not the type of fullback that could handle that. He gets no. outclassed constantly by athletes uh, that are far superior to him. And that's one of my issues with him moving forward as, as a player. If Milan want to reach the heights that they want to, is that type of player doesn't work in Europe. And if it's not working in Serie A, which is relatively a much slower and less athletic league, I, I think that's why we saw a dominant a physically dominant Lukaku take over this league a couple of years ago. We see it with Victor yeah. as well right now. Um, and, and that's why it, it's a startling difference if you watch the Premier League and what we have. Um, and again, um, just Brahim isn't great if he's not in open space. I, right. I don't know what else he brings. Um, right. and, and, and a lot of the time now when we allow, when we concede first, teams are just going to start sitting back because we know everyone knows we, we struggle with low blocks. So right. if we're not able to break down a low block, he's not trying to change up the formation. And Anthony's right. Like how, it, like what is the importance of the goalkeeper in this system? Isn't that great in terms of a skill set outside of just stopping shots at this point? Like if you can't even do the bare minimum of the fundamentals of a goalkeeper, then right. you can't be playing here where right. every time he comes out for a corner, uh, a cross on a corner, he's hesitant. He has poor positioning. He's terrible with his feet. And I even heard there was a story that his vision is terrible as well. So you can't even see on top of him being way too slow, his, right. his hesitancy, Twice, I think, on uh, the past two games where he doesn't come out. One on the Calabria penalty, and there was another one with Lazio as well. They were both ended up being penalties that, you know, blame whoever you want on those. If the goalkeeper mm. comes out and he's more confident and he get he clears the ball out of there, it's a totally different story. And the funny thing is, too, I know no one want to look at positives, but we kind of scored four goals in this game. Marginal yeah. offside goals. Giroud had two of them. Origi with a banger. I mean... 
it, it, it well, well, Giroud scored one and then Rebic had the other offside, but yeah, it's, it's frustrating when you see that. I think mm-hmm. in the three point era, we have never conceded four goals or more in consecutive games. And yeah. that's something that this club should pride itself on. And it's frankly very embarrassing. Yeah. Glaring, glaring problems. So what's the fix then? I mean, I don't, I, I, I still am against Sack and Pioli and I, and, and the honest question that I asked everybody, I said, who, who yeah. would you get? Who comes in and cleans this up? Who comes in that you would be happy with for a long-term period? I heard a couple people answering me saying, well, it gives a short-term boost of morale. It gives, well, that's great. It gives a short-term boost. We get, but it, it's not going to sustain itself all the way to the end of May. And then, you know, then, and you're, it, then you're ending up playing three managers at that point that because you're saying you're trying to replace someone again in the summer if you're making it exactly short-term. who's who's signing on for six months. No one's yeah. doing that. That's of quality, by the way. I think I see people saying Tuchel. Tuchel is out of there. Stop. It's not there's possible. There's no chance. There's no, there's no chance. There's the only one I do want in the future. And I don't think it's possible this summer. But I would love to Zerbi eventually. That's always someone I, I thought would, would be capable of making that leap. Yeah. But he, the, the more he succeeds at Brighton, the more ingrained he's going to be there, and it's going to be hard to get him out of there. Um, you know, took, yeah, I mean, people want to be, I mean, you, you realize what you got to pay Tuchel, and we're in a contract squabble with extending Rafael Leao, and people want us yeah. to get Tuchel. Dreaming, just dreaming. <laughs> I mean, it's. He's going to get, he's going to get paid more than the majority of the players on this team. Exactly. It's just, I don't, I don't think people realize that. And then also, I'm not trying to harp on Redbird. We still don't truly know what they are yet as an ownership group because they haven't had a full summer to do this. Um, what what are they willing to pay up for? Because right. the rumors are saying that 50 million from the summer and this month was more than enough, and and we're kind of like, okay, well that's not what we want to hear. But we see what everyone else in the in the other top four leagues are doing outside of the Premier League. No one's really spending, so. No, everybody loves to tell you what the problem is, but they never offer a solution. The same That's, thing with positions. It's just people don't realize there's there's one issue and then another one pops up. Like you have to have a replacement. It, it's, it's silly. And that's always the thing that I say. Like I love to respond to that on Twitter. Say, well, Pioli's got to go. Is that right? Well, who are you going to get? You know, I mean, it's, it was it was the same thing with the World Cup uh, with the USA and people are saying Gino Chio Reina has to play. I said, like, well. Who are you taking out right now? I mean, it's yeah, kind of yeah, yeah, it's kind of tough, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, I get the Giorena should play, but I mean, how, who who do you take out of that? Who do you take out, out of that the, out of the starting of eleven? Yeah, sure. With yeah. the substitutes, I totally understood. No one wants to see Jordan Morris out there. No disrespect to him. True, for sure. Giorena, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, you're right. It's and again, it's in the middle of a crisis. My only thing is, it's like. What happens when Mike is back? Because, again, the rumor today was, uh, I think Cordore said that it's actually back for Monza, not the first leg against Spurs, which is terrifying. But, like, how big of a difference is he going to make? If he's that big of a difference, I think more blame even has to be on Pioli at this point because it Mm -hmm. it turns out Tatarusana was that bad. And that's inexcusable for that many matches in a row. What has it been? It's nine, 12 goals in three matches in all comps last year. Well, three. here's the thing. I mean, we've, we had previous with this the first time around when Mayan was injured. Milan conceded 15 goals in the first nine games without him. I mean, you, you, the, it's not like he all of a sudden just becomes a better goalkeeper. So, you know, when you give him another chance, it's, you know, it's he's he's what he is. He's... He's not even average anymore. I mean, he's past it. And, you know, I mean, you, you, you bring in this kid and you don't you, 
that he can't be worse than Todd Trisano. I agree with Anthony. Antonio um, Donnarumma. Remember when we put him in in Coppa Italia? I mean, a, again, a, you know, he was a hero for us. Cult hero. Cult hero. <laughs> but, he, but again, that was a guy playing in Serie C. Like, yep. you don't know until you put him in. And again, it's not like we're saying we're putting in, like, a random guy from the Paraguayan League at striker. We're just putting him in a goalkeeper. Does he have yep. the reflexes? The reflexes can't be worse. The positioning can't be worse. The confidence can't be worse. Like, I, I'm sorry. That's just, I, I, can't, I don't agree with this line of thinking. Right. Yep. Do you have the players to play a Deserbi system? My God, you imagine what Deserbi could do with Leal. Um, <laughs> so I mean, he's got me, he's got the cusp of Europa League with Sassuolo players. No disrespect to them. I mean, Jeremy Bolga, we saw yeah. how great he was with them. Yeah, and he's got he's got and he's got Mitoma flying like crazy right now for them. I mean, unbelievable. just unbelievable. He's making yeah. them a ton of money. <laughs> yep. Well, I mean, as as bad as things have been for Milan, we can say this: we're not Juve. Um, <laughs> uh, the fifteen point penalty, and now losing two nil at home to Monza, who you know I've been saying forever for anybody that listened, it's a, it was a bad start for Monza. I was like, you know what? It's not going to last forever. Monza's a Monza's got a good collection of players that just need. They were, you know, they were kind of going to be the same the trajectory that I thought Napoli would be under, that it was going to just take some time for it to come together. These guys needed to play and they needed to figure it out and they finally have figured it out. So, um, I mean, we've put, I mean, and Armando Izzo validated us in this game uh, because we put him in our team of the half season uh, and, you know, in the back at center back, because it has not been a good year for center backs uh, in Serie A overall. And, and, you know, it's not like Izzo made it by default. He's ever since he's joined, Ever since that he's been fit and playing, Monza looked like a better team, at least defensively. And then they've got the playmakers going forward. But the Juventus situation right now, you know, I mean, to I mean, <clears throat> it's unheard of uh, for either you or myself to see Juventus lose to lose at home to someone like Monza. They outshot them twenty-two to three. They had eight on target, zero um, points in both games. But yeah, zero points in both games, and it's <clears throat> it's uh, you know. And they're stuck with Allegri at this point. I mean, and they're stuck with those tactics, and they 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 can't get anybody better either. I mean, just uh, still paying Saudi, I believe, as well. Right, and I bet they're. And they, I, I wonder. I think they're still playing Pirlo. They've got to be. Um, yes, yes, as well. Yeah. So you know, so it's it's their their hands are tied. So they're stuck with this style of football, and it's got to be just maddening for <clears throat> for Juventus fans at this point. And uh, and they ended up being a. They ended up being a selling club, and Kyle saying Monza the first team to do the double over Juve since the 1930s. I mean, that just shows you how bad it's gotten at Juventus. Yeah, um, listen, I mean, if we're, t- if we're talking tactically and on the pitch, it's just been that eight or nine game stretch where they were marginally winning games, and great for you. If you don't concede, the likelihood of you losing a game is is, is very low. But at mm-hmm. some point, when you start struggling and you're going through your rough patches that we saw earlier in the season and it resurfaced once once again, um, it's going to be a mess. Pogba hasn't played whatsoever. Um, Chiesa coming back from a torn UCL. Dusan Vlahovic, he's Bigfoot this season. Um, this is just really poor. The 15-point deduction is just one thing. And Frank, to be honest with you, 
there hasn't even been a verdict yet on the on the wage case because the wage mm-hmm. case is a really massive thing for them. If they were <clears throat> paying players under the table, this is a separate case that yep. a lot of implications could be had about this. We're talking about a UEFA ban. We're talking mm-hmm. about another points deduction. Whether this points deduction gets reversed, we don't know. I, I actually personally believe it, it's going to. But again, who wants to stay at that point? Mm-hmm. When you hit summer. And then again, you're right about the Allegro. I see Hilfe fans saying Zidane. Why does Zidane want to go there? Yeah. Why, who, why, why does he want to? Seriously. Give, give, give us a good because he played for you guys in the late I mean, as more, as more things get unpacked with Juventus, the less desirable going there is going to be. I don't subscribe to what Juve fans are saying. Just, I mean, just some of the threatening attitude, the threatening attitude that they have that if you not, if you take Juve down, Italian football is going down with it. No, it's not. I mean, I think that. <clears throat> it's in a reasonably better place than it was 10 years ago yes. where it was Juve and everybody else. Um, <clears throat> and I, you know, hopefully over time that's going to evolve. If some of these clubs can figure out a stadium situation and get out of some of these old relics, that will be a big help. Yeah. Um, you know, but I to, to say that, that, that Italian football screwed just because Juve is going to be you know, going down with, you know, I just I don't buy it. It's 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 ignorant because, and I think it's very arrogant as well because you're sitting there saying, okay, you, Milan and Inter, right? If you were to combine them as to both what they bring to this league, and if they were both to be really poor and and not playing well, oh, I guess mm-hmm. we had an example of that last decade, didn't we? And how was Serie A doing? And how was Juve doing? Juve was doing really well i mean they did mm-hmm. win the champions league but you're making two finals you're consistently generating more money bringing in bigger players keep retaining those superstars that you had and selling at good points like pogba vidal were good sales but they were still maintaining it for so long and eventually got ronaldo in there the way they increased their brand the way with the stadium it shows that they didn't really need milan and inter to succeed like that and i yeah. think it's also the reverse milan and inter don't need juve to survive like that will the league no. be in a better place with all three absolutely there's no no arguing that everybody knows that but to simply sit there and, and sit with that arrogance to say that you need us is just denzel washington in training day where he's sitting there saying y'all gonna do this to me that's exactly what that is mm-hmm. um and and you know i think vlahovic is gone this summer i really do i think it's a Bayern that's gonna <clears throat> come in and scoop it they're gonna need they're they're gonna need to they're gonna need to to to, to make some money off of the guys that are attracted from an asset standpoint yeah, I know your time is tight, so I'm going to jump into some before going over the rest of the uh, of match week 20. I want to talk about the Mercato with you um, here, that, or, or lack thereof here in Serie yeah. Um yeah. You know, the big teams really didn't do anything. Milan brought in Devis Vasquez, as we talked about. Nobody knew coming in for Inter. Napoli taking Berezinski and Golini in on loan. Juve brought in a young player. Uh, Roma getting Diego Lorente on deadline day from Leeds on loan. Um, these are just some of the highlights. I mean, I think the the, the most notable signings are Josip Brekolo coming to Fiorentina for it appears to be really cheap. Um, yeah. We got uh, Florian Tovan going to Udinese, uh, which is an intriguing signing for me. I think the playmaking of Tovan, there's some playmaking quality to him that's going to take some pressure off of De Lufeu and is going to be a big help for Udinese's cause if they're trying to make a European push because they're still in the they're they're still in the conversation for that. And then mm. Memo Ochoa going to Solanitana. So how concerned are you about this Mercato as a whole for Serie A with just 
a, a lack of signings. I mean, it, I mean, obviously you look at the level of, of the Premier League and they're spending like crazy, especially Chelsea. And I wish some uh, accountants make from UEFA would make a little trip to London uh, and check that out. But are we going to? Um, let's let's talk about Serie A and this Mercato. How concerning is it that it was a struggle to to just get the players that I even mentioned? Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, the big talk was about who is leaving um, this window, right? I mean, Charoy, good for Sassuolo doing what they did with that kind of business they were born with. But, I mean, we're talking about a lot of clubs still losing money um, from COVID. Napoli necessarily didn't have to do any business, so I, I, I respect what they were doing there. I know they were in on the Moroccan midfielder. His name is escaping me. Um, Unahi? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I think he went to France. Uh, and, and again, yep. yep. And again, you know, Milan, I understand the situation. I think long-term we're still okay. Cause everyone knows we're still financially healthy. We're just not getting the investments that everybody wants. Inter mm. is a disaster. Yep. They're a disaster. I, there's no two ways about it. We knew they're not going to reinvest and they need to get 60 million net by the end of June from what I understand. So they're not getting anything from screen yard. So it's going to have to be dumb freeze and, combination of someone else i think lukaku is going to be gone but this is the state of the league you don't you don't get great tv deals you don't have aesthetically pleasing stadiums you don't fill up the stadiums you don't have modern stadiums you're you're having clubs that are doing very poorly in terms of training methods i mean how how, how often do we have to sit here and see milan have these benacer didn't play he's hurt how is this possible i don't know but yeah. it's happening um and then again it, like it's it's kind of like where's the money coming from that these teams should be purchasing and again what we're saying with Juve if we if we, what we think might happen if there's a transfer ban inbound depending on what happens with these cases they're not going to mm. invest either what we're going to have to rely upon is a miracle of these three Serie A clubs in the Champions League advancing somehow and they're gaining money from that to me yep. I think Napoli can make the best run I think we're toast um Inter who knows with them it's just, it's dire times right now. And this is a long lasting effect from COVID and also poor ownership groups. I don't think we're going to see much from Lazio because that's just the way Lazio is. Roma, the Freakins have done a good job, but I don't think they can invest that much more than what we would like. Right. And then you're just looking at like, what do you really expect from all these other clubs? And I'm sure. kind of sitting there saying, I don't expect anything from them except for sales. So I mean, it's just it's just the reality of it. And maybe if you want to say some of these other leagues, you don't see other teams spending. Even La Liga, yeah. it's, yep. it's, the, the money is tight. And, and there's some issue here. And it's funny because the whole point of FFP and why it was introduced was to make this stuff more competitive in Europe, whether it's Europa League, Champions League, whatever you want to call it. Okay. Mm -hmm. and, the, and the gap has only widened. Right. It, it really has. I mean, like what has your son seen, right? As like, like you have to tell him about what Milan was. He doesn't know what he, mm -hmm. what his perception and kids his age perceive our league. Yeah, it's just they don't they don't view it the same, and it's and it and it hurts at the worst time. I always tell Milan Weekly Pod this: Serie A got worse at the wrong time because of stadiums and social media presence and all that other stuff where it was expanding in North America. And sure. I don't think a league took a bigger hit than us compared to where they were. And where right. they got knocked down to, and it sucks. It sucks, man. And it's it's going to be a while. And also, by the way, the punting of having the Euros in Italy was a big hurt too, as well, because mm -hmm. that would have helped with stadium development. And we're sitting there saying, "What is it? Atalanta, Juve, and Udinese." And I think Sassuolo mm -hmm. also own it. What the hell? Yep. <laughs> yep. 
not much left to say. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, you know, I, I'm disappointed to see certain players leave. I think there's also some, you know, some there was some movement within clubs, some loans and some movements and things like that. You know, Richard mentioned in the private chat, uh, Sabiri going to Fiorentina. How many more midfielders does Fiorentina need? And I think that that's a big part of the part of the problem with why Fiorentina are struggling so much is because they've got all of these players and you know Italiano is taking all season long to try to figure out what his best eleven is and stick with it. It's just it's it's this guy's coming in or that guy's coming in, and it's very you know, weird it's a- reinvestment of the money from Dusan, and it just hasn't hit like Cabral. They expected more of Jovic as well, I believe. Like it's, I mean, that's it's disappointing. And I got to say, I, uh, for Sassuolo, I love the, seeing them get Nedim Barami on loan. Um, I mean, you you put a 10 in with those wingers and, and with what they can do up front. And the guy now that can can create through the midfield, now you're not relying on everything going through Lorient and Traore and, uh, and, and Berardi. You've got some play through the midfield now. And I think that Sassuolo under Dezerbi were particularly dangerous with, with that kind of system when they had Juricic in the 10. And, uh, you know, I don't think that Sassuolo has had an effective player in that role since then. So, um, no, Amrabat did not move from Fiorentina. There was talk Barcelona was in, but Fiorentina didn't like the didn't like the offer. Uh, so that got rejected. So fortunately, he's still with us. Um, for now. You know, <laughs> but, uh, you know, but some of these other players, Kivi are leaving to, for, for Arsenal. Um, McKenney going back to the Premier League and going to play for Leeds. Um, you know, uh, Malinowski... You know, even though I said Atalanta won't miss Malinovsky because they're just the, the way they play is different. They don't need a high playmaking, attacking midfielder with the way they're set up. That he's over at Marseille now, and and that Atalanta are going to be fine without him, and they have been. Um, mm-hmm. But but yeah, I mean, I, I certainly it certainly was a a loss for Serie A this this Mercato as a whole. Um, hard to find any real winners. Um, in this in this Mercato, I probably would say Napoli is the winner of this Mercato because none of the other teams that have a chance of chasing them were able to strengthen. So, and, and on top of that, yeah. they get Berezinski to fill in for Di Lorenzo from time to time. Gallini, in case something happens to Merit, a serviceable enough goalkeeper. So, you know, I just and it helps with Champions League rotation. They exactly they, they realize this gap is so widened. Teams are struggling, inconsistent. Like again, like we see this weekend, it's the Derby. And then we're going to have an advantage in which Napoli is probably going to gain more points on the second place team or one of the top four competitors. It's just, it's incredible. And, you know, kudos to them. 33 years is a long time. I'm a Mets and Jets mm-hmm. fan. And I, I, I can't even imagine what it, what it would feel like to, to do that. Um, but you might, you might get Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> I, I think that is going to happen. I hope. Yeah. I pray to God. I pray to God. They're Check. talking about it. Yeah, they're talking about it here in Wisconsin. They're saying that they're they're open to trading them. So um we'll see. Yeah, repeat of uh two thousand eight. Just please don't tear your triceps muscle, please. Um <laughs> I, I hope I hope that doesn't happen. But hey, um we'll see what happens. I think I think it's a very big summer for this league because mm-hmm. it could go south quick. And I think two of the big clubs within this league are gonna suffer. And I think Napoli will be front runners once again next season. Um, if, if significant investments, what I mean for Milan is if there isn't something over like 50 to 60 million euro to play with, if they make mm-hmm. top four, and if Milan don't make top four, Inter have to do what they have to do, Juve or miss out on top four as well or get a ban, 
Yeah. That just it put put a fork in them. That's yeah. Sinopoli's league again, in my opinion. Gonna be very interesting, no question about it. So um you got time for me to whip through the rest of this uh match week slate, or uh do you gotta get you gotta get cruising? How many how many more we got here? Um I'm just gonna whip through the scores of the games and we'll just give a quick uh kind of a quick overview of what happened. Um, that sort of thing. Let's go for it. If I have to dip, I'll, I'll tell Richard. Okay. Sounds like a plan. All right. So everything kicked off on uh, Friday. Uh, Bologna beating Spezia by two goals to nil. Things continue to get better under Tiago Mota. Uh, Stefan Posh, who's been excellent uh, for Bologna, uh, getting on the score sheet along with Ricardo Orsolini, um, the clean sheet, uh, for Skorupski, um, keeping uh, Spezia at bay. Salernitana going on the road and beating Lecce and showing all of the big teams that have gone to Lecce and not win, not win. Milan, Elo, uh, Lazio, uh, Juve even, I think, didn't win. But Salernitana can go there and win. Uh, two goals to one. It was uh, Bulai Dia in the fifth minute, uh, and then Tony Vilhena in the 20th minute, and then Gabriel Sterfetza in the 23rd minute uh, for Lecce. Um Solid performance uh, has to be said from Memo Ochoa making four saves to uh, help preserve the win for Salenitana. Empoli and Torino playing to a 2-2 draw. Uh, we had uh, Sebastiano Luperto from Razvan Marin, uh, and then Razvan Marin scoring himself to make it 2-0. Uh, Samuel Ricci making it 2-1, and then Antonio Sanabria leveling it with five minutes to go, 2-2. Um, relatively entertaining game, 27 total shots between the two teams. Uh, Inter going on the road and playing Cremonese. Inter had 65% possession, 30 shots, 10 on target, uh, and win 2-1. If uh, Osiman didn't do what he did against Roma, we'd be talking about David Okarike's goal a lot more. I was literally just thinking the same thing. He got (laughs) overshadowed by it. That was a banger. That was unbelievable. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, But then Lautaro Martinez comes back 10 minutes later to tie it. And then grabs the winner in the 65th minute from Aiden Jekyll. I mean, that's a break. I mean, it's low key, but that's a breakthrough performance for Lotaro Martinez because I always find him to be an effective goal scorer when enter in counterattacking environments. He's not as much the guy they find in those moments when they're more ball dominant and they're more possession dominant with all the chances. It's usually Jekyll. So uh, for Martinez to show at least a little versatility in how he scores his goals. Pretty meaningful for Inter. Um, Atalanta and Sampdoria, 2-0 to Atalanta. Yoki Mela in the 42nd minute, and Adamola Lookman does it again in the 57th. Again, if we didn't have Kvaratskhelia, we'd be talking a hell of a lot more about Adamola Lookman in the season. Only two, season. only two million euro more, I believe. Uh, yeah, I think it was purchased yeah. for two. From a club that doesn't get robbed like that in Leipzig. That's, Incredible. That's the crazy part. Yeah. Incredible. Sorry, you off. Yeah. No, no, you're good. You're good. Uh, Lazio Fiorentina played to a 1-1 draw. Uh, so um, Big for top was, four there was. What's that? I said it was big for top four for Milan in that aspect. I was, I was sweating that out on Game Pack Cast on ESPN. Um, yep. Nicola Casali scoring in the eighth minute, uh, getting his first ever Lazio goal. I, I think it's what he's done defensively this season has been been remarkable. And we even said when we picked our team of the half season, we went with Itzo and Kim as our center backs. But if you wanted to make a case, if you wanted to say Casale deserved to be in there, I wasn't going to fight you. Um, 49th minute for Nicolas Gonzalez to level it for Fiorentina. 
Um, and then uh, I believe Monday we had Udinese and Hellas Verona going to a 1-1 draw. Um, a Bacau own goal in the fourth minute. Uh, and then followed by Lazar Samarjic in the 21st minute where the activity from the goal standpoint there. Udinese, 26 shots in this game with eight on target. Um, uh, yeah, they, they were they were really ter- – I was actually tuning into that one. I almost fell asleep towards the end of the first half. But Udinese, after conceding the goal, they were just they were just on it the entire time. And the fact that they couldn't pull out a win for that, that's just – I think it's so massive for Verona because we know the situation that they're in. And I think that's mm-hmm. a really disappointing result for Udinese. I, I can't begin to speak on that because what they were doing at the start of the season and these types of results for them are even more frustrating when Milan uh, – have issues with them because you see Verona just this is so typical Serie A man yep yep let's I mean, let's let's focus on the bottom here right now because for quite some time it's been Verona Sampdoria Cremonese okay Cremonese just bring in Davide Balladini and we've talked at length about what he what he's about you if you if you go play for David Davide Balladini you're not going to get the ball um you your your team if you have 30% possession playing for him, that's probably high. Um, they they sit back, they play deep, they let you have it, and they try to counter you. That's that's what they're going to try to do, and they're going to try to scratch and claw their way out. Sampdoria under Stankovic have played better. Um, they're playing harder, but now a bunch of these guys have left through the window, and who knows what this team's going to look like over the next few months, so they're desperate at this point. And Hellas Verona starting to play a little bit better, but a key piece, Ivan Ilich leaving them now, going to Torino. Um, that's a that's a big blow, yep. um, you know. And they've been in that bottom three for quite quite some time. I think Sassuolo will find themselves back in the ascendancy. So, let me ask you this question: If one of these three miraculous miraculously make it out, at whose expense is it going to be more likely, Spezia or Lecce? <sighs> Man. I think I think I think Spezia. The way Lecce have been mm-hmm. playing in some of these big games, it's so invaluable. Um, and I think that's gonna carry and be the difference for them over time. But honestly, if that even were to happen to Spezia mm-hmm. or Lecce at this point, just the bottom three are just hot trash. We're talking about yeah. a team that hasn't won a game. That's embarrassing. And we and, and I know we drew to them, of course, but yeah. it's it's just it's just a testament to kind of overall what Italian football is like now. This yeah. isn't this isn't like, you know, it was great when a team like Empoli was coming up the way they did the second time and, and they mm-hmm. were playing much better football. Did, did what Cremonese is doing, this is not sustainable. And it's reflective in what their record is this season. And I, I don't expect too much. And again, Kiwater is a is a good point um uh for Spezia losing them. But maybe Daniel Maldini uh, does <laughs> something to carry them. I don't know. Spezia is one yeah. of those weird teams, man. They they just grind out these like big results against these top level sides, but just always drop against teams that they could probably get a result against. I'd probably say Spezia. Lecce, I just respect too much, and I don't want to see my guy Colombo go down either because he's been no. pretty impressive, in my opinion. Well, and I, I think I, I agree with you, and I think Lecce can lean on their home form and how well they play at home. I mean, obviously, except for this past week against Salernitana, they've 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 gotten some pretty impressive points from some pretty good teams. You know, in that run, so they're going to be able to lean on that to scratch and claw for some points for them to survive. So I think if there's a team that likely goes into a free fall and ends up in this drop, it's Spezia. And I think that, you know, 
I want to pull for Dejan Stankovic because I think he was he was good for Zvena Zvezda. He he take he took a leap of faith to come to Sampdoria. Yeah. Um, you know, they're playing harder under him for sure. They're just the results don't show for it. Um, yeah. you know, but I, I, Verona would definitely be the more likely just looking at the points and just kind of looking at the makeup of their team to survive the drop um over them at this point. It's kind of um kind of hard to factor in. Um Let's see here. Uh, are you with me on the theory? We talked about Lazio. Let's come back to Lazio. So, I mean, they batter Milan 4 0, and then they draw Fiorentina 1 1, and they're kind of in this kind of helter skelter thing. They still got Europa League. Do you think that there's a little bit of the fact that, first of all, their home record has been very good, and they've beaten some good teams at the Olimpico uh, this season? Um, you know how they perform uh, away. It, it's it's been low key, pretty good. I mean, the the performances have clearly been better at the Olimpico, but more of their matches are aw- more of their big matches are away in the second half of the season. Do you see them keeping up this top four charge, or do you think that that's that's a team that you look at and say they're probably pretty likely to taper off? I think they're likely to taper off given the history of of the way Lazio is in recent years in Saudi's history of rotation. And again, a point is we haven't been this late into the calendar with right. this many matches left. Right. And that's going to spell doom for some of these sides, in my opinion. It's great mm-hmm. that they scored four goals without Immobile at home against Milan. But maybe is it is it more about what Milan have been recently rather than themselves? Because then we see what they do against Fiorentina, what they did against Lecce. It's the kind of inconsistency. And again, they were playing great defensively a good portion of the season. You mentioned Casale. Our guy Romagnoli was playing very well as well. Um, so, so to me, I think it's just about rotation. I think... Atalanta and Roma, I give a slight edge ahead of them, but who knows with this Inter stuff as well? Does Inter really handle that kind of turmoil there? Because again, their star player is leaving. And I think at the end of the day, what does that spell for some of their other stars? Do they want to stay long-term? I know they're professionals. I know they're Mm going to do their best to get into the top four, but it, it could get dicey with them. Who knows what happens with Juve if they get their 15 points back or not? Because again, it's all or nothing. They either get all points back or they keep that 15 point deduction. There's no in between. Um, so I think that's big. I think, I think Milan will eventually turn it around when Manon's there. And I think morale will have to turn around. I think they're too good. Yeah. Like there's, this isn't, this is one of the worst stretches I've ever seen from a good team. Ever. Yeah. One of the worst title defenses ever. Yes. But, but again, uh, it just, I think teams with greater depth, are going to succeed over the course of this season because what we saw, what happened to Lazio during the COVID lockout year, it was killer for them. And sure. how much can Immobile stay healthy? That's it's, it's starting to catch up to him the past couple of seasons now. And as he gets older, I, I, I kind of worry for him in that sense. So we'll, we'll see what happens, uh, but I, I don't love it too much. Would you say, I mean, Top four right now, Napoli obviously with with Nop- mm-hmm. Napoli aside. I mean, predict the top four right now as it, as it looks. I mean, I um, I could see, I actually can see Atalanta because this is all they've got left now. They're out of the Coppa Italia. They lost to Inter yesterday. Um, I can see Atalanta grabbing a place because this is their sole focus. I mean, we've seen it work with Milan and Inter, although they went on to win the Scudetto under those conditions. Atalanta probably won't do that here. 
Um, but I can see Atalanta grabbing a spot. I want the homer in me is going to say Milan is going to ultimately grab a spot. Then after that, you got to make a decision inter Atalanta or, or not inter Lazio or Roma who grabs that last champions league place. I, I'm going to take Lazio out of that. Um, okay. The Roma stuff. I think Dybala again is a dicey type of, of a player when it comes to his health and they still mm. have Europa League. Um, defensively, I think they're sound. And it looks like they're going to be disciplining Zaniolo. I think that eventually hurts, hurts them. He's at, Say what you want about him. He's still good in creating uh, for them. They weren't great in finishing, and that's why the stats didn't reflect that because we saw Tammy struggle so much. Tammy's slowly turning it around, uh, thanks to Milan, of course. Uh, mm-hmm. So, so I, I, think, I think they had the outside shot. But something about Atalanta, I trust Gasparini more. Uh, in recent years than a Mourinho. I think they have more depth. Lookman is the hottest player in this league outside of anyone on Napoli at this point. Um, I think they're playing great. And again, for Milan, right now, Frank, you know this. This is the toughest stretch that they got of the schedule. If they yep. can somehow try and resalvage some of this, they were fortunate that Roma lost over the weekend when they embarrassingly lost to Sassuolo. So there's a zero-point change there. Um they, they have time to turn this around. I think it'll probably end up being Napoli, Milan, Inter, and Atalanta. Uh, if okay. Juve, Juve don't get that those points back. Sure. If Juve get the points back, I actually do think they get back in. Darby della Madonina on Sunday. How does it go down? I mean, let's let's but let but let's let's set the table for this real quick. Okay. Um, we've seen we've seen this Derby be one where you just throw form out the window. I mean, I'm trying to, maybe I'm making a case for Milan here, but I remember if I remember just, I think it was three, four years ago, um, four or five years ago, Milan were flying under Gattuso. Inter were struggling and then they get to the Derby and Inter win three, two. Um, I the mean, Cardi hat trick, I believe, right. Is that the one you're referring no, to? No, that was the, when, when Lotaro had the penalty and I, I want to say Lotaro scored twice in that game. Um, when Icardi uh, was there, I was no, the, the, the Icardi, the Icardi, the hat trick was even before that. Okay, yeah. Um, so many losses. Might have been four years ago. I, you know, I, I'm, I'd have to go back and look. Uh, maybe somebody in the chat might know. Um, but, uh, but you know, we've seen that happen so many times. You get to this derby, and it's just totally, totally different dynamic. Now, <clears throat> if. Milan can win this game, then it, there's a there's a theory that okay, this kickstarts things going forward. If Inter win this thing, it just validates that Milan are still struggling and they're not out of this yet, and that Inter are, you know, basically finding ways to win. Mm-hmm. Um, but your thoughts? What do you what do you what are you looking to see happen here on Sunday when they when they hook up? I can't recall in my life seeing Milan have worse form going into a derby. And we've seen yep. some god-awful teams um, in the 2010s. This, I really don't I really don't feel strongly about it. It doesn't seem like there's a change at goalkeeper. Um, mm-hmm. A defensive change if Tamori's back in, who knows? Benacer might not be playing. That's not a guarantee just yet. There's a lot of question marks. And defensively, it's a disaster. If Milan win this, this is going to have to be like a 4-3. I would love a draw. I would love a draw. Mm-hmm. In this, I think I think a draw is huge for Milan. I think anything other than a win for Inter is a massive disappointment for them. All things, what they did to us at the Supercopa was was disgusting. Um, that was an embarrassing performance. How we've been playing these past couple of matches, but at some point, 
the champions have to show that they were champions last season. Where is it? Because it's also a morale mentality thing. And I'm, and I'm barely seeing that you never know. And, and again, I, I have little faith in them turning it around defensively at this point with what they got. I just, I have a really hard time seeing it, man. I try to be optimistic about this, but I think this could be, I, I think Inter win this one by like two goals. I think it could be a three to one. I, I'm not too positive on it. Where I think this, where I think, you know, and, and, and Tato Asana is going to start in goal to all Milan supporters dismay. I mean, that's just what's <laughs> going to happen. But where, yeah. I th- where I think this in a way helps Milan is I think that this is going to be a derby where Inter are going to have more possession. And if you want to make a case for how you can be in, beat Inter, it's let them have the ball and invite them to come forward and, and, and expose spaces. Okay. Um, so, you know, yeah, it, make them predictable, make them, let DeMarco go out there on the left-hand side and just pump in crosses. You know, it's coming. Just make sure you win the aerial battles. Okay. Um, and you trust the defend, you trust the defenders to do that. And they're usually going to try to find Jekyll in those moments. You track Barella when he comes into the box in those moments, you do those, you do those things and you do them effectively. Um, and then you try to hit them going the other way. I mean, I think the last, the, the, the couple of derbies that they've won, they've won because Giroud's target play was elite. Um, his ability to hold the ball and his ability to release players and get things going. They need that. Um, you know, if I, 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 I can't see Milan winning, but if they can get a draw, a score draw, like a couple of you are saying here in the chat, I think that gives them a boost and that kind of gets this turned around a little bit. They may, you know, may, maybe not winning the Derby and just getting the draw so that it kind of sets the stage going forward. But I mean, but we have to go by what we're seeing right now. I don't think yeah. Milan are giving up four or five goals or anything crazy like that here because I think Inter's sit, inter setup is different. They don't have wingers that they're going to pin on our fullbacks. They might fly Dumfries as high as they possibly can to try to keep Teo pinned back. Um, but I see something like a 2-1 Inter win. Um, you know, uh, at you know, we concede a penalty at the risk of getting beaten on a goal in open play, which is very likely. But I, I have to go with I have to go with what the eye test is telling me right now, and I'll go Inter winning two one. I think Milan will play harder. I think that they'll they'll fix some things, but I think that they'll just come up a little bit short. And I think what they'll do is they'll look at the performance despite it being a derby loss and all of us being angry, they'll look at the performance and saying, okay, Hey, we're, we're starting to turn this around. We just didn't get the points here. Yeah. So. I, there, there has to be some semblance of it. Um, yeah. It's, it's dire. I want to, I want to see performance. I want to see fight. I mean, I that's basically as a Milan fan, that's what I want right now. And if there's, if we, if we get a point out of it or three points, great, you know, but I want to see something that shows that there's still some fight to your, to your point earlier, there's some fight in this team. So, yeah, but well, we're going to wrap it it's up. The and minimum. It's the minimum. Go ahead. Yep. It's the minimum requirement of a club like this. It's exactly. you know, sound, sound, you know, cheesy, whatever. Uh, but it's it's yep. what we need. It's yep. it, it, because Champions League, it's massive. It's everything yep. at this point. You have to make it again. You can't yep. miss out on it. So, yeah. Yep. Well, we're going to put a bow on this edition of City. I sit down. Martino, I can't thank you enough for coming in here uh, last minute and, and coming to the rescue. Uh, so I'm going to give you the floor to uh, go ahead and uh, tell our listeners uh, where you can be found and some of the things that you're up to these days. 
Yeah, so more betting stuff. I know I know you're into that. Uh, some of the older crowd <laughs> and in Serie A loves it. So I'm over at Odds Checker doing a bunch of uh, football, soccer stuff, whatever, whatever the hell you want to call it. Doesn't matter. I won't okay. insult you. Um, doing a bunch of stuff there weekly. So that those are on Fridays. It's been a lot of fun. Um, still doing stuff with Santangelo. We do. Um, we're doing more Milan stuff now. I was actually going to ask you and Richard this week. It was really funny that you mentioned uh, mentioned that. Well, actually, next week because <laughs> we have Uncle Sharma. If you if you guys know him for this week for the Derby. Yep. We know but, Sharma. but we're but we're just trying to get everybody back on again and just basically what we were doing at Milan reports but our own style now um and yeah just Martino Puccio everywhere um and and please don't insult me I don't control the budget guys I do not control <laughs> Milan's budget I don't know how many times I have to say it just because I'm American and in New York it does not mean I control Milan's budget that's all I gotta say yeah, yeah. I'm at FTC underscore 21 and, and don't get angry at me if I'm gonna respond to your tweet if you just say something random that just makes you know that doesn't have a solution to it because I'm gonna respond to you and say well what would you do then so say, say Santangelo is the same way. He's like, yeah. these people, they always say they have a problem, but they never offer me a solution. I cannot stand Twitter. And then just, well, he so actually did idea. that after the Sassuolo game. He said, he says something in his tweet. He said, Mr. Pioli, thank you for the Scudetto, but it's time for you to go. And I responded, okay, Matt, come on. You know better. Who, who, who do you get? And so that kind of, you know, he, he I, I think he gave me a brief answer. I didn't get a chance to look at it, but. Um, anyway, so I'm at FTC underscore 21 Richards at R underscore K H A R M A N and at City Sit Down on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, find us anywhere we've got podcasts, man. We've got, and we've got our own channel on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud too. So check us out there. We're on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio as well. Just like I said, anywhere there's podcasts, there's City Sit Down. So chat. You guys were lively tonight. Thank you very much for your contributions and thank you for your questions and comments. Uh, was uh, great interacting with you guys as always. And uh, we will be back next week. Richard hopefully will be uh, healed and, and good to go. And then, yeah, uh, uh, check out everything that Martino is up to, as he as he said. And um, we'll have to get you and Matt on real soon uh, to uh, of hopefully, hopefully, hopefully after a win. <laughs> yeah, hopefully after a win, exactly. So, um, and yeah, we'd, we'll we'll come join you guys anytime you ask. Of Not course, a problem, of course, of course. So, awesome. all right. Well, that's it for uh, Richard for Martino. I'm Frank. As always, tell your paisans about us. Ciao.